think that the key to this Poundcast, Nick, is that we're not really live, but we're definitely recording <laughs> in the Pound and Grain Toronto Podcasting Studio, and we're excited for another edition of the Poundcast, episode number three. Zero, zero, three. I love it. And today, on the Poundcast, we're going to talk wearables, wearables with brands, wearables that make our lives better and, and usefulness, and then ugh, our favorite segment already on episode three, some stuff that we've curated from the world wide web, our digital picks. Digital picks. Yes. Wait a minute. Who are you? I'm Jack. <laughs> oh yeah, us. Yeah. I'm Jackson Murphy. And I'm Nick Hewan. The voice of reason and the MC of the robot takeover. Thank you for joining us, Nick. Thank you, Jackson. And let's have a Poundcast, how shall we? Yeah. Okay, well, wearables. What up? Wearables. <laughs> what up, indeed. <laughs> I, think, I think you have a story to share about wearables. Is that, is that I was going to tell a personal story because I thought it would be relevant to my personal use of wearables. I'd love um, to hear it. Yeah, so it's a true story. Story time at the Poundcast. Uh, so... I was going to tell a story of about two Christmases ago. Not about two Christmases ago. It was two Christmases ago. Um, the love of my life. Uh, my lovely girlfriend. Don't worry, she's definitely not listening. So I'll be cool. She does not believe in podcasts. But two Christmases ago, she bought me a Pebble smartwatch. So it was my first uh, wearable device. And I got that on a little Christmas morning. All the emotions of like a gift like that. Oh, it's a nice watch. Super nice watch. Beautiful. Super cool. I, I kind of went through this kind of um, cycle of emotions like, oh, wow, cool. This nerd watch. It's super cool. <laughs> um, I went through the like, oh, wow, you're the best. What a great gift. And that quickly turned to, I'm never going to wear this. Why and not? So, I don't know. I just kept looking at it in the box and I didn't, oh, I didn't unwrap it. From the plastic, I was just like, I can't see it going on my wrist. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I just kept looking at it, going like, I'm not that guy with stuff happening on his wrist. I barely, you know, use my phone in that regard. I mean, like I check my stuff in my phone, but I, I don't, I'm not attached to it like that all the time. I can put it away. Okay, I, I have a question though. Yeah. Was that because you you weren't ready for uh, wearable tech on your wrist, or you didn't like the pebble? You didn't love the look? I mean, was it the pebble itself? I think it was just that I didn't want to be that guy. You weren't ready. I wasn't ready. Maybe the world wasn't ready for Jackson I, to wear a pebble. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. The world is not ready for me to be that nerdy or geeky. Um, but so I, you know, I'm sure in the members of the audience are going to gasp in horror. But I just, at a certain point within that first 48 hours, before she started asking me why I hadn't opened it and played with it, I just said... I'm not going to use this. Let's take it back. Mm-hmm. And I'd never done that with a gift before. So that was like one social hurdle in my life of like, not you know, you're always supposed to like, oh, it's a gift. You're always supposed to be nice about that. But I was just like, I didn't want to have the, uh, you know, three months down the road and it's sitting in a box mm-hmm. to that question. Like, why don't you ever wear that watch? Because she got me this beautiful camera mm-hmm. um, the year before or two years before that. And every time, like, I forget it on holiday, she's upset because, like, I've got you this amazing camera. Um, So I didn't want the pressure of, like, not wanting to wear it impact that. So I was just like, I'm not going to wear it. Let's take it back. And so we did. So here's a question. Yeah. It's August now. (laughs) Yes. We're four months away. Four months away. From Christmas. From Christmas. Yeah. If that same gift arrived under your tree from Santa this year. And it's an Apple Watch. The end of 2015, and it's an Apple Watch. Would that would that be different? I don't think so. Actually, I thought about it because because um, you know because we're in Toronto. Our our uh, other partner Graham has, is the only one in our agency that has one currently. Mm-hmm. It'd be great to have him uh, tell us about it because even him, he's still wearing it, but he's it's it's just a watch. It's just a watch now. Like a, really? I mean, it's, he still does stuff with it, but it's the, those first few months of the. You know, you know, you people walked into a room with it, and everyone was chatting. Like, no one's doing that anymore. Like, it's no. it's not as 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 you know crazily popular as it was those first few weeks. But, um, but it may be as, as more applications are developed for it. 
like right now people are so confused about what what's it for what's what's the capability yeah and I think that's like the, what like why why we're talking about wearables today is is there's all this technology and all these possibilities but there hasn't been all the things um, that really have like made it clear to the whole universe of why you need one and we're just talking about a, a small subset of wearables being like smart watches it's just one piece of the puzzle there's other sort of wearable technology that that could come into play but the watches seem to be the one that is the tip of the iceberg for everyone sure uh, even even people who are a little confused about where where the the real world application could lie within wearables um they're, they're even more confused about anything outside of watches watches are something that they can get their head around yeah i think there's like the watches and then there's the fitness tracker stuff and sometimes those are crossing over often, yeah. those are the ones that people th when you think wearables that's what people are thinking like but there's like you know technology of like wearable technology that like could transform like your shirt to keep it like sweat free and that would be like having little you know technology embedded in the fabric and stuff like that so i think the wearables come in all shapes and sizes mm -hmm. and i guess to finish up my personal story of uh, uh, ingratitude towards uh, Christmas and bah humbugging uh, the Pebble Watch two years ago was it's funny when by the time I, I moved to Toronto uh, earlier this year full time that wearables is such a big thing in Toronto mm -hmm. um, you know I started going to the We Are Wearables meetup up at the Mars Discovery District um, and it's ma it's a massive like community well there are a lot of startups here in Toronto that are you know, focused on wearables, so I think it's probably just branches out of that. Yeah, I mean, it seems like Toronto is the epicenter of like people wanting in Canada, mm -hmm. possibly like in North America. It just seems like an epicenter of we're going to do wearables in mm -hmm. Toronto, which is I think is very cool. It's amazing. Yeah, and they're doing some really cool stuff. So that was um, that was kind of the intro, long-winded story about myself. But you know, with the wearables. You know, they're doing it for sports, pets, health, um, people with disabilities, kind of anything and everything all here in Toronto. So last week we talked about robots. Um, this week it's kind of the robots and the robotic technology that we can wear. So with that, what? I'll ask again. What up? With what, wearables, what, Nick? What, what do you think? Um, well, I think a lot of things <laughs> about wearables. But I, I have to admit that amongst my generation, I don't see that many people rushing out to buy them, uh, I have to admit. Uh, for, about the things that are on, that, that are in the market right now, there's a lot of things that I read about that are really incredible and impressive, but uh, let's say we just focus on watches, I, I don't see many people rushing out for them. And I don't think that that's not a possibility even in the near future, but I haven't seen too much excitement. No. The excitement's there. But it, it's not, it's definitely hasn't reached some sort of critical mass where no. it feels like they need to go and find this thing. No. What I have noticed, yes, actually, is that, like, okay, an anecdote of mine. I went home uh, to my parents' house and visited with my 63-year-old aunt, who was wearing a very sleek and stylish Fitbit, which maybe wouldn't be strange at all, but she's not really a tech person. She has an iPad and an iPhone, because both of those have reached that critical mass of ubiquity okay. where it just makes sense to have one even yeah. though she only uses like an iota of the capabilities <laughs> of them but um, just on the street even I see a lot more people of her generation wearing Fitbits and, and other products of the like that are fitness trackers and mm -hmm. I think that that's where the, the fitness aspect is where these products have really broken into the market Yeah, and for people amongst my age it's really not as important. I've read before that um, these things were originally marketed towards hardcore athletes and didn't really take off in that segment either. So it's more amongst the people who want to, you know, make sure they get up and get active throughout the week and lose a few pounds type of thing or, like, monitor their heart rate throughout the week. Yeah. So um, sort of counterintuitively, it's taken off with an order, older demographic than mm. would have been originally expected. Yeah, and to your, to your point, it isn't like so ubiquitous that um, it's everywhere. Um, those two categories, the smart watches and the fitness trackers, you know, 
it, it's it's worth now. I'm gonna I'm gonna drop some statistics, drop some stats on us that I, I picked up from a couple of places uh, like Adweek. Uh, worth noting that 50 percent of the U.S. population doesn't even wear a dumb watch anymore. Like, but that's a response to having a, a smartphone. Exactly. So that so that's just a phone in general. Yeah, and then the awareness of their smarter cousins the uh, to the dumb watch. The awareness is at 81 percent. But the ownership of the smartwatches is still at three percent. Mm-hmm. So just to put it in context of why they're not as like crazy as phones yet, um, that the sort of uh, current early adopters, the sort of geeks and nerds, the your aunt uh, fitness uh, geek, twenty million fitness trackers and thirty million watches by the fourth quarter of twenty sixteen are kind of what's going to be out there. Um, so. It's interesting that that's the kind of benchmark where, like, you know, Apple's used to shipping mm-hmm. 10 to 20 million units of their phones in a quarter. Mm-hmm. But that's that's the total between now and, you know, late next year. Mm-hmm. It's still not going to be in everyone's wrist, everyone's pocket, or, no. or whatnot. But I even think that traditional, like, we're just talking about watches. Yeah. Traditional watch geeks, I guess, watch people. Yeah. Who would wear them? Like, there's really no reason to wear a watch in, in our modern society. Everyone has the, the time everywhere, but you wear it for style, really. Style number one. So I, I think that a lot of the, uh, the companies that produce smart watches have kind of failed in, in terms of the look. Yeah, they've done one look. There's the sleek, futuristic, uh, you know, sort of design. I, I think it would be interesting to see if some like some more classic design. Was, was thrown into the mix. Yeah. But still, you know, I have all yeah. the capabilities of, of the current Apple Watch. Or One of the interesting things I saw on uh, a great site, one of my favorite sites, Daring Fireball. Don't know if you ever checked that out, but you should, people of the internet. Uh, and Nick. And <laughs> Nick. <laughs> uh, well, just talking about, like, maybe the lack of enthusiasm is around that. That it's, it's style on the one hand, but also the... the what, what I called dumb watches was style but also like a sense of luxury like mm-hmm. you could get your $50 Casio calculator watch but you could get the 5000 10000 25000 Rolex or you know whatever equivalent brand is mm-hmm. and it was a lux- it was a status symbol a luxury item yeah and when it comes down to the the Apple watch it's hard to translate that into I can get the sport version for you know, five hundred bucks, mm-hmm. but to get the gold version of the smart one is ten thousand, and they're the same thing. Yeah. It's just like a style um, kind of uh, element on top of it, and I think that's what people have struggled with. Like, is it a luxury item? And if it's a luxury item, how can you get the same thing for five hundred dollars? And it kind of like, I don't think people really have put two and two together about like. Should I wear this because it's stylish, or should I wear it because of its functionality? Mm-hmm. They have both options, so people are doing both. But that's, I think, the dilemma people are in in terms of getting out there and being like, "I gotta get one." It's right. not the same way as like, "I gotta get an, an iPhone 6 when they come out." Like, yeah. It's different. Well, it's it's. I mean, the style thing is huge. I personally think they look pretty slick. Yeah, but you have to have that certain look happening. I mean, if you're in you the, can pull I, it off. I, of course I can pull it off. Are you kidding me? It wouldn't work right now with your cast. Well, I know. I do have a cast. I would have to have a big a strap. Big, a ridiculous big watch. They need, like, an Apple watch for uh, broken arms. But, <laughs> but Anyway, so style is only one aspect. The other problem, of course, is that, you know, nobody knows exactly where um, the, the, app, the smartwatch would move past redundancy. Yeah. Like, what is it doing that your phone isn't already doing? 100%. It's funny because I'm going to drop. I'm going to bring this up. I was going to bring it up a little bit later, but one example, not to like steal thunder from your examples, not at all. later. But uh, Salesforce, the big um, customer retention management uh, company, mm-hmm. announced like last week that they're going to release 20 different smartwatch apps, um, just the applications, so that you know business people in real time could be collecting. You know their sales data or like approve this like uh, sales thing all from your watch which 
sounds like uh, like you know efficiency and craziness but like wondering what are those people that are doing that that need to do it from the wrist and not from a smartphone that's the part that I think um, the resistance or um, lack of enthusiasm for the devices because people are like that's really cool I could do it from my wrist but like is that really saving time effort and they have a study that says like you know there's lots of efficiencies to be happening you're just like tapping on yes approved you know Mike's um, you know sales request or approve his like 10% discount he's offering for a, a person and, and that might smooth up the, the cycle of, of certain certain things well I mean there, there's a, a, a ton of benefit that could be said about having all these capabilities on your wrist and not having to dig around for your phone or pull it out basically to have the same capabilities in, a, in a, a device that's actually attached to you instead of something that you just like view as being attached to you. But another way to look at it is that you really can't, if, if you want to boil down the actual efficiency of these devices, it is that it's just attached to you. I mean, like we talk about it like that's all it is. Yeah. That, that could be a benefit, but maybe that is the benefit. You know, it's like a, we shouldn't be looking for something past that. Yeah. It's just that it simplifies your life that much more to have it. Right on your arm. I think we should get them. <laughs> Why don't I have know. one right now? I know. We should have got some before the show. <laughs> now I'm upset about it. <laughs> I still think it's interesting that, like, just to go back to a few stats before we kind of get into implications for wearables for for brands and marketers, but the the fact that the industry of just the smartwatch alone was so volatile that, like, the quarter before... Uh, the fiscal quarter before Apple joined in and started selling the watch, um, Samsung had 72% of the market share, mm. and Apple had zero. And the quarter after the Apple Watch launch, Apple has 75% of the market share, and Samsung went down to 7.5 instantly. And they lifted the total market of smartwatches up by 457%. Is it because of the quality of the device or the power of the Apple brand? I would say mostly, I, I would personally say, not scientific, but the brand must be so powerful to get those, yeah. that first quarter results, maybe not as as big as what some people had hoped or expected, mm-hmm. but still, they, they just transformed that division of the wearable category in yeah. a three-month period and just ate Samsung's lunch, dinner, and possibly the late night snack. <laughs> Well, then, I mean, there's a lot of trust in in the Apple brand. Yeah, because because the iPhone happened. <laughs> that <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of clout to be gained, and rightfully so. Yeah, yeah. So, what do we? Um, why don't we move this poundcast along mm-hmm. and talk about how brands are, are kind of dealing with it? So, if we think of, we've talked about the big picture, but if we start going. Um, into the, the more micro side of like what can be done um, of it, what are we what are we looking at in terms of what are some brands doing in terms of the wearable market? And I think in this case we're not talking necessarily just about smartwatches, but I think smartwatches is the the one that all brands are sort of gravitating to because it's an app store environment and you can have you, it's a platform you can get onto. Uh, sure. So. Um, Lufthansa, the airline, for instance. Yeah. <laughs> you may have heard of them. You may have heard of them. Yeah, so they, they develop an app that work alongside, uh, works with the Apple Watch, so it's sort of an extension of what the Passbook was already doing, but it's working specifically with Lufthansa, and it basically takes away all of the headache uh, that a traveler would possibly have when uh, going to an airline, airport. So you'll be notified as to when your flight is, you have your entire itinerary on your, on your uh, wrist, your boarding pass will be on your wrist, so you just walk straight through, then your seat number is there, everything you possibly want attached to you, no paper, away you go. Go right through security. Go right through security. You have to take your Apple Watch off in security? That's a good question. I would say you, yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, yeah, probably you should. should take your watch off, so. But travel's a good industry in terms of that. Like, there's Lufthansa, there's um, hotels, um, you know, W Hotels and Virgin Hotels are all getting into this that you can, like, unlock your door and 
do all sorts of other things. So yeah, I love that. I love some some more practical applications. Yeah, just like scheduling or entertainment, which uh, gets a, a little into the idea of the Internet of Things and yeah, just more in, seamless integration. So you have your phone in your pocket, sure, but well, you can answer your phone. You, you can answer calls to uh, the smartwatch yeah. as well. A lot of them, it just seems yeah. a little unwieldy. It does for such a small device. Another issue to get around, perhaps. Yeah, I think like on these on the travel ones, it's interesting that they're super practical, but they don't like really change the game in terms of they don't do anything different than the phone could do. Like the phone could have the boarding pass, the phone could open your um, your door. Once again, you're just brought back to the idea that it's a, it's just on your wrist. Yeah, I mean that's the main thing. Yeah. At the risk of um, sort of limiting the scope, yeah, that that sort of is your main benefit from it. It's I think that's the the another reason why people are struggling with it a bit. Um, but other industries like banks, so you're in Canada, your TD Bank, your um, all the the major banks are all getting in and have their like smartwatch app, so you can check your balance and do all the things that you could on your your phone from the flick of your wrist mm-hmm. because I've always wanted that to look at my uh, depressing bank balance <laughs> from my wrist. <laughs> Just one more avenue to do it. Yeah, right? exactly. But again, I, I think like that's the, the struggle that, that you know, uh, brands that are offering a product or service seem to be like, oh, it's just like another extension of how to do something. Other brands, um, not to steal any more of your thunder, but one that I think is quite ludicrous is like being able to track your pizza delivery mm-hmm. um, on your wrist because that seems like where <laughs> where in your um, sort of like customer experience is that necessary like you're at, you're already at home and you're lazy enough to be ordering delivery pizza but, but but somehow looking at your phone or your desktop computer to see the status of your of your pizza pie seems to want you want it on your wrist I, I, I mean it's I have to admit it's, it's hard to see it as anything uh, past a novelty you know what I mean if you're sitting around at, with your group of friends and you like turn your wrist over and say hey check it out 10 minutes to go uh, that's pretty much all you're getting out of that mm-hmm. Do, can you think of um, an innovation uh, you know like any sort of true innovation that's come from uh, uh, maybe a, a wrist wearable? You know what I mean? Or is well, it just like the the wrist wear the, the the wearables like this are interesting because we've kind of had a couple of phases of them where like everyone was getting into the fitness game, like Nike with their Fuel Band, yeah. and all of them are like kind of pulling back on it and then jumping onto the platforms. Yeah. Like so, rather than them, you know, rather than Nike being a builder, like last week they're going to build robots in the shape of LeBron James, which is awesome. But they they balked and kind of pulled away on um, having their own branded wearable and going to more of a software on the platforms of Android or Apple, mm-hmm. which I think is, is an interesting place. But there are other examples of... We saw Fossil um, and Speedo, the uh, swimmer company, having more branded, or at least co- Productions with um, with technology providers. So Speedo has their own kind of version um, with uh, another company called Misfit. So it's like more of a swimming related fitness kind of tracker specific to their brand, which I think can make a lot of sense. Um, and Fossil, of course, the the sort of um, clothing and accessory brand. They're doing something on the Android platform, but like bringing some of their style to bear, which I'm sure they could use it. So I think in in those cases, you've seen brands kind of like been all over the map. Like, are we building the tech? Are we building our own platform, or are we building on someone else's platform? And I think again, that's like it's so early. Mm-hmm. Like it's like the wild west out there in wearables. People aren't necessarily like locked into a platform sure. or a thing yet, and. You know, I would say like Fitbit is competing with Apple Watch not because they're doing the same things, but because they're both like leading players in their categories. And right. I think from my anecdotal sort of evidence of people with the this the the Apple Watch is that those fitness ones are are you know vastly improved mm-hmm. on the Apple Watch versus say the Fitbit, um, just in how it integrates 
with all of your systems. That's interesting. Yeah. But also what the Fitbit might be doing that is beneficial uh, due to its its uh, usability is is it's more focused in terms of its actual application. When people look at the Apple Watch and it's, it's ha expect it to be able to do a million different things. If you pick up a fitness tracker or you know the Fitbit, you know exactly what you want it for. Yeah. You you're you're into it for one specific purpose, so it's it's a lot more it's a lot easier to understand, I suppose. Simplicity is always always the key. It's like sure. People don't need like twenty different things to do. They need one that's really great and helps their life. Uh, another a great example is uh, one from a Toronto-based startup called Bionim. Have you heard of them? The name sounds like it was something from the We Are Wearables, but. Um, so they have a wearable wristband uh, device called the Nimi. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So it places a, an advanced electrocardiogram or an ECG on your wrist. And apparently those are specific to people. So it allows you to unlock all of your devices. So it's, it's really interesting. But becomes your, your heartbeat becomes the um, gateway to your passwords, which exactly. seems very much like an advancement from... Um, Admin one two three. I wait. We don't. We never use that one at Pondering. But uh, but uh, those those easy to remember passwords that are totally unsafe. Like it seems like a unique signature that's only good for you. Um, yeah. When I was at a, a, a We Are Wearables, that was one that they they kind of demoed. It's amazing. It's really impressive. Yeah. But it's also that that's it's a wrist wearable, but it's not looking to do anything other than its specific purpose. Unlock your 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 bank account when, when you if you were to buy the ninny you're, you're not expecting it to you know have, have your uh, your boarding passes ready for you when you go to the airport or no. uh, give you notifications about when you're having the next meeting or anything like that it, it has one purpose and you know what it is and you use it for that so that's why you picked it and why you bought it yeah it's, it's not nebulous in any way no except, except for how it works in the first place yeah it's incredible <laughs> yeah and that seems like the, those are the things, like obviously everyone um, from Hillary Clinton to anyone who had an account on Ashley Madison um, should have been using some sort of <laughs> heart, unique heart heartbeat to like make sure they didn't get hacked. There, there might come a time when we were just flabbergasted that anyone ever just made up a password. <laughs> without using their heartbeat. It seems it seems like, given last week's episode, talking yeah. of robots, that passwords are definitely completely... Yeah. The robots are going to figure those out. Not the heartbeat ones. No. I can't even imagine signing up for Ashley Madison ever <laughs> in my life. But if I was going to, it wouldn't be until I own one of these devices. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Tips. <laughs> Practical <laughs> marketing tips <laughs> from the team at Pound and Green and Nick... Uh, yeah, you could probably you could probably make some money. Uh, uh, we should we should call we'll call them up. They need some help. They need a little bit of help. <laughs> so, what do you think? Uh, you're hesitant, as we all know, with our growing fan base of three or four people. I'm sure mm -hmm. uh, hesitant around technology in terms of of, of robots and and kind of implications. Is like putting all the power in a wristwatch. Something that like, is it a is it an opportunity or is it kind of like a fad? Um, I think that it's an opportunity. I, I think that, like you already mentioned, the wristwatch is the tip of the iceberg. I think that we're experimenting with more of a seamless integration into having everything around us um, be a part of. The, the internet of things yeah. so the the wristwatch is one more extension and I think that we're experimenting with it right now not necessarily doing it as well as we could where it's going to go next is difficult to say but I, I I don't see the wristwatch as being something that or the smartwatch as being something that I'd be concerned about in any, in any way in terms of no. my my fear of technology, <laughs> maybe that's to its dis to discredit it yeah. a little bit. It's like it's not it's not big enough. It's not making it big enough waves to to, to concern me. It's not going to take take over your body. Yet. <laughs> yeah, but um, it is interesting. Yeah, another thing. That, uh, I have another one here. I love it. I was going to ask, but I didn't want to put you on the spot. Yeah, so that good. actually 
could take over your body. Oh, gosh. No, not really, I don't think. In a good way, I'm sure. So there's another Toronto startup. It's the hotbed of wearables. Like, I'm not saying that because it's my new hometown here in Toronto, but, like, there's literally a lot of cool stuff happening here. So there's this Toronto company called Interaction that developed the Muse headband. Yes. You love the Muse? (laughs) Well, I love headbands. (laughs) Just in general. In general, it's amazing. Yeah, keep Keep sweat out of your eyes. You need that here in Toronto? Push your hair back. But it's a uh, wearable uh, technology headband. Wearable technology headband, and what it does is give you neurofeedback. So it's a type of biofeedback that uses real-time displays of EEG to illustrate brain activity and teach self-regulation. It's madness. Absolute madness. So what can you do with this? There's you know, this application for the quantified minds, which means you see which parts of, or whoever is studying you, I suppose, yeah. sees which parts of your brain are being used at which times. Which is uh, really interesting because you see where you are most relaxed or where you aren't. You see what aspects of your life are causing the most stress to you, and then you can work towards eliminating eliminating those. Now, is this like something you like wear around like all day long, or just in private? Well, I guess that's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> Personally, I would wear it around all day all the time, all, yeah. all, all the day. Time. Well, I'm a style trendsetter, so that's a fact, I, as you can tell from my. Your fashionable wristwear in the form of a cast. <laughs> More on that later. Yeah. <laughs> we can do a micro podcast just on Nick's wrist. Yeah, exactly. Here's my favorite part of it, though. Yeah. The potential for, although it's not has not developed yet, brain control. See, now we're getting into robot terror here. We're getting into robot terror a little bit. <laughs> we're talking telepathy. Right. Of machines. So you could control uh, devices... Um, through sending like signals through the headband to like your fridge to like pour you another beer or something like that. Yeah, you can see, you know, the way that I understand it. Or change the channel on the TV. This is what I read from, I assume, the science guy who was interviewed about it. (laughs) And he says that Interaction imagined all types of brain-controlled interfaces, from in-flight entertainment to iPad games. Mm. Now, I see those examples as not really shooting for the stars. Yeah. But they're nonetheless indicative of where the technology could be. Yeah. What, I think what, like what you, could, you could see like the wearable device then becoming like a gateway into like virtual reality or um, entertainment of the future where... It's like reading your waves and being able to process like everything and creating whole new interactive live gaming experiences. Amazing. Of course, my brain took it out because I'm gaming instantly yeah. and I want to be able to control, you know, my robot legion. <laughs> I like that, you know, we, you've gone from, from being like really anti-robot to wanting a whole legion of robots. Wow, there's a very... It was a very different story in terms of who's controlling it. Yes. If, if I'm the brain to a robot golem... Yeah. What if I can be an evil overlord? Yeah. Then that's all. You would be happy with that. Obviously. I'd feel good if you were in the... If, if you were controlling the robots. I'd feel like in good hands. Yeah, maybe I wouldn't be an evil overlord, yeah. actually. Maybe I'd be the Neo to humanity. <laughs> Back to the Matrix. <laughs> I think we did that last week. Oh, it's hard not to. Um, I like it. It's interesting. Um, you know, we're kind of talking about, you know, far-off futuristic things. But the interesting thing, I think, bringing it back to marketers, I was reading in The Guardian this week um, this piece by Tom Goodwin. Um, and kind of related to your... You, you brought up a couple times just the phrase, the Internet of Things. Mm-hmm. And I think... There's wearables and smartwatches and, you know, fitness trackers and all, all this other technology. But it is, like, part of an ecosystem with the Internet things. And, you know, this headband and how it could play with your other devices in the home or in the car is really interesting. But his article, uh, A Dystopian Eye Beacon Intrusion, is a wake-up call uh, for advertisers. So, basically, his premise was that, you know, pretty much nothing has has really been innovative in the marketing space um, outside of like us being able to target people better 
um, you know, using technology to give them the ads we think they want. Um, you know, but like as we see in the last couple of re- weeks, you know, the the expansion of the the API on Instagram, being able to advertise on Instagram, it's really just the same thing. We're just still back to nineteen hmm. fifties video ads and storytelling. So, like in the grand scheme of things, he's saying that this is just another medium. Yeah, which is why, like, what do we do with the watch? Is is kind of the question of the day. And two two quotes he had um, that really kind of um, stuck out for me was the first one. You know, just even by his title, um, it was it, it, it's not like a negative article, but it's it, he's trying to you know stir some some emotion around the topic. But his his uh, first quote. We now have such a dwindling attention span and such a paralysis of world-class content that we're constantly finding ways to tune out 99.99% of the stuff that surround us. Mm-hmm. We're not actively seeking out content as many brands seem to believe. Mm-hmm. So first, I mean, I, I love the, the kind of call to arms here that like people are tuning stuff out more than ever before. We think they want content from brands and ourselves. Like, even us with the Poundcast. Do, do people really... Were people... <laughs> we want the Poundcast. Mm-hmm. Probably not. But it's kind of the battleground um, for marketers. And and the uh, second quote, kind of bringing it back to Lufthansa and hotel smartwatch um, apps. Do we take the, the word of a $100 million campaign to tell us a hotel chain is friendly above a few dozen Yelp reviews. Do adverts for airline service count more than our own experiences on airlines? Mm-hmm. So if you if you think of those two examples, if a, if a hotel's advertising about how great it is, but everyone on Yelp or TripAdvisor, it's kind of a damning review that like, towards advertising versus marketing that you could spend $100 million on an ad campaign to tell them about your brand new hotel, your brand new service, but it could be totally um, hit by a brick wall of people mm-hmm. reviewing it, and that could do more damage than all the money you spend on branding. Well, I mean, there's no doubt about that. But I mean, what is is, is he just uh, is this guy just saying that we're, we're in a dead zone, or is he off, off, offering some sort of remedy to this? Is he saying that this just means that there's so much clutter that you have to work that much harder to cut through it? I think that's always the case with marketing. It's like how to, to break through the color. I think his thing is that um, there's so much, you know, with a, let's think of this, he wasn't really specifically talking about wearables, but all the beeping, pinging, buzzing, notifying that could, could be happening on your watch or your um, fitness tracker, the interaction that a user has, you know, is really what's important. So, like, it's not an notifications and like a pinging telling people where you are or what you're doing is not going to be the future of these devices it has to be like what is the device doing to like enhance the experience so like when you start talking about the muse and and the headbands that can control things that seems like where like brands need to get to like how do they so you're talking about getting to that next level of innovation or are you talking about personalization more personalization. I think both. I think like both the innovation and that puts the user back in the driver's seat. Okay. Um, they don't want an app for um, a hotel that just gives them a bunch more information. Isn't going to be as helpful as like even the little things that they're doing in this phase one of the Apple Watch of unlocking a door. Mm-hmm. That seems like a valuable commodity versus like trying to give them more content and noise coming down them like what's the tool or the utility that it could you know come back to yeah what the device can deliver I mean the problem is even with, with this guy saying this I mean this guy's a huge bummer by the way <laughs> <laughs> there's only there's, there's only so much human ingenuity really possible I mean there's going to be a there's, there's going to be gaps where we're just doing the same thing over and over again until that that next spark happens that really changes the game. So I think what he's lamenting is that we're in a, a space where he's seeing a lot of the same things over and over again. And I, I don't think that there's anything that's really strange about that in any way. It's just more no, certainly the not, nature of it. Yeah, certainly not strange. I think he's just like calling 
He's calling it out. Calling it out as it is that like we so think we it's think that anything digital is super special and innovative where it's just like yeah. you're doing the same thing you were doing 60 years ago but it's on a phone it's on a, <laughs> yeah. it's in Instagram it's on your wrist right. but it's still the same you're still doing the same thing mediums so, change the messages the oh my gosh right. you really did you just really summed it up I didn't sum it up <laughs> what's his name did Marshall McLuhan Marshall McLuhan how could I forget that <laughs> I remember what he said at least exactly it was That's on a heritage all. moment I know classic heritage moment. We should we should put in the heritage moment yeah. uh, into the podcast. Former U of T professor, by the way. bringing it back to Toronto. Yeah, back to Toronto. Toronto, the six represents. <laughs> can I do that? Come from the six. I think you can. I think it's to the point where you can do that. I think we'll just. I was going to say one more thing. Um, there was a, a woman at South by Southwest earlier this year, a sort of fashion and wearable expert, Jennifer. Demore again, probably pronouncing it wrong, but she outlined sort of three simple things about the future of wearables, um, and you know probably any tech really. But they, the 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 future of tech or the future of wearables has to be about for a brand has to be about utility, emotion, and meaning. So a utility being like the technology does something; it's it adds to the capabilities of of the user. Mm-hmm. Emotion, it like aligns the technology to the brand so that it, it actually does something useful for you like I, I always see that with with brands like you know I mentioned the sort of pizza watch apps is that really tying the two together um, and then meaning you know solving those real problems that can improve our lives I mean I think that's the the, the, the part that gets mm, our, ourselves at pound and grain most excited is how you can create some sort of meaning within digital or your app or your mm-hmm. web experience that actually does something for someone. It's the most difficult part to create. I think that's why we see so much clutter. Yeah. We, we see so much, um, you know, noise in that space without people coming to the, the, that actual real world application because it's, it's tough to see sometimes. A lot of the time. Most of the time. Most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> 99% of the time. Yeah. Anyway, so there's the challenge. Go out there and do it. Um, that's I think that's good for that for that segment. I'd right. say. Should we talk about picks? Digital picks. Digital picks. Like you know, here's part of the show where we talk about we, we go through our smart sounding discourse, <laughs> and then we get to share some cool stuff from the world of digital marketing or tech. What's hot? What's new? What's totally nerdy? Mm-hmm. Um, so Nick, do you have? I've got one. I got, I've got to admit, it's still, still a little serious. Still on the heavy side. Why are you so heavy? Go for it. I, I, well, we're talking about real-world application. I, I yeah. think I got one. Okay. So the University of Waterloo and a Waterloo-based uh, company called Pervasive Dynamics announced that they're teaming up to develop and test a wearable tech that will improve stroke rehabilitation. See, that gets the... the uh, uh, the meaning, the solving real problems that improve lives. Sure. So the tech will allow researchers to capture sophisticated data about a stroke victims' cardiovascular and nervous systems, balance and gait, and allow them to walk and talk like normal again, or as, as as normal as possible. That's amazing. It's amazing, and uh, the potential impact is huge. Um, there's approximately fifty thousand Canadians that suffer strokes every year, and we have a really huge segment of our population that is um, going to be classed as elderly very soon. All the baby boomers are getting up there. So You're looking at me when you said that. Well, I'm looking at you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm thinking of my parents a little more. Totally. Yeah. They're, they're in that, that group and uh, they're hitting that, that, that age. And uh, even if this sort of technology isn't developed in time for them, I can think selfishly about myself. I think it's smart. I think that's a great pick. You think so? I'm, except for the part that it makes me feel really bad about my pick that has no redeeming value whatsoever. Oh, there's going to be some redeeming value. I can guess. <laughs> I, I guarantee that. <laughs> I, I guarantee I'll be able to nail what it is right away. And then not not the pick, but the value. The redeeming value. Okay. Yeah. I'll I'll describe the pick. Okay. You can be on the hook for a redeeming value. I'm ready. So. My pick, as I am want to do, is uh, putting some entertainment into the wearable side of things. So Mark Burnett, producer of two of TV's greatest television franchises. 
Survivor and The Apprentice. <laughs> no, double doozies. Double doozies, especially. The, what is, I don't know what he's going to do without Trump for the next uh, season of The Apprentice. It doesn't even make sense without him. Find some other jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what are you saying? No. Uh, so he's working on a new show um, called America's Greatest Makers. A show about competing for a $1 million prize to create wearables. So this is fueled by um, Intel. Um, what, is their, what is their jingle? Do, 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 do. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think probably, it, I probably owe, owe them a million dollars now. Uh, but Intel is giving them um, the sort of platform to develop um, whatever the contestants are going to build upon. So they have this um, platform called Curie Technology that they're going like, to use. And the whole premise seems kind of amazing. Like it, it. I mean, for me, mm-hmm. hopefully, it has the all the drama and sex appeal of Bachelor in Paradise mm-hmm. uh, mixed with the sort of mercurial geekiness of something like Top Gear and a little hint of Dragons Den all rolled up into one amazing show of nerds competing for a million dollars and building um, really geeky stuff. Honestly, if it doesn't have absolutely all of those things, what is the point? <laughs> what could possibly be the point? Like, I hope there's some sort of pseudo-celebrity giving, like, and that, I, Zuckerberg should be giving out roses at the end. Like, that's that's what I want to see in the end. This this may be the only reality show, well, speaking of redeeming qualities, yeah. that I, I've ever heard of that actually does have some redeeming real-world quality, because, well, aside from maybe Dragon's Den, yeah. is that you call that a reality show? I think so. I don't, I don't think so. What do you call it? It's like a competition. I guess. I guess they might it'd be interesting. It's not like Amazing Race, but yeah, I get Okay, well, I'll drop the only thing. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, there is potential for, um, you know, a great product to be uh, created. Yeah. From this show. So it's it's not just mindless entertainment. It's not the, just That would be Intel's hope. I would be like, we've created like three great products out of it. And okay. it well, I, great yeah. television. Make secondary money. I thought that their their hope was just to make money in general. I'm sure, yeah. But it, I mean, it do, it does seem like there's not enough um, sh- shows like this for for nerds. Like no one's kind of like done this for app developers or anything like that. Turned it into the entertainment. Like Silicon Valley's so big and ubiquitous. Why isn't there? You know that people fawned over. Um, ad agencies and have turned that into reality. Everything's a reality show Mm -hmm. in some cases, but this seems like you could actually... I I don't need another show called Cupcake Battles on the Food Network. No, no more cupcakes. (laughs) Why did it take so long then? That's the next question. That's a good question. Uh, Maybe just like... uh, Maybe it's just... I think it's what you said, though. It's tough to make this sexy. Yeah. Maybe we're at a point that it is. People people know about the Apple Watch or, or whatever wearable technology that looks sleek yeah that it, it can be made for mass appeal yeah. mass consumption well so I'm glad you 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 found some good in my ridiculous one I was just thinking it was more that a TV show about wearables showed that it had reached such a critical mass in the mainstream that mm-hmm. that, that television executives were were like yes we are in I, I was I, I'm glad that I found some uh, some social good out of it. Yeah, I was hope- I was thinking that my answer to what's redeeming about it would be lighthearted entertainment. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, me. I'm looking. For, There's that. But I'm looking for. Te- I'm looking for tears. I'm looking for like drama. broken hearts and drama. But that's because I'm I'm a shallow shallow human being. <laughs> uh, I think what's what's um, kind of cool is that uh, wearables. Could be, you know, with us for a long time, and it's it's exciting. It's exciting time for for us. Like I'd love to. Will be. It's not could be. I could, think it's, it's, it will, will be. But yeah. it's exciting to see where they will go. I I hope that it's in ways that my feeble brain can't really conjure up right now. Yeah. I, I can't envision. Yeah. What our wearables will be doing. Hopefully, really, what I've always wished for for my entire life is I won't have to go through the daily struggle putting on my own pants. <laughs> I hope that my pants 
uh, Mark Burnett, if get you're listening, <laughs> uh, if you can get that million dollar prize to someone who uses a headband to control Nick's pants, <laughs> um, the entire Pound and Grain team would be super happy because he seems also, to not wear pants a lot. So that's good. The constant worry of whether or not my fly is undone. <laughs> if my fly could just know when it's undone and zip itself up when I'm done with it being down. <laughs> a lot of sensors going on. There. <laughs> I do like, very I like, I like that one. Like $30,000 pants. The $30,000 pants with the automatic zipper. We're just, it's like, it, we just we just transitioned into just like ideas. Yeah. We're just giving million dollar ideas now, just for free on the internet. Alright, well let's let's tone it down a little because I'm full of them right now. <laughs> so many things. I hate buttoning shirts too. It's very tough. How, how, how long have we been talking? Long enough that I think it's time to do the outro. That's it? So. That's it. Well, we did it. We did it again. Um, so, episode three of the Poundcast, um, we've completed a trilogy, trilogy, if you will. So, either hopefully the New Hope first episodes of Star Wars, not the second trio. Uh, I think that would be the trilogy. No, be. This, was, this, was, this was the Return of the Jedi. The Return of the Jedi ones. Yeah, Empire Strikes Back kind of thing. This was our Return of the Jedi exactly. podcast. Less Ewoks. Yes. No Ewoks. We didn't even do Ewoks last week. Dang. Or fortunately. I don't know. Could go either way. Yeah. Uh, so thanks for listening. Um, so as always, no one sent us any suggestions yet. but uh, We're waiting. We're waiting for the hate letters, the people calling us stupid, uh, animated gifts of how ridiculous we sound. Um, and you can send all those to us at hello at poundandgrain.com. And, uh, all publicity, right? And since I'm... That's all is good. Yeah, hate right. letters is would be just as good as a, a thank you letter. The the gifts could be a catalyst for us. It would be the real like turning point. It could really TSN help. turning point. It could really help for episode four. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I like this next part so much um, when you use your smooth radio voice um, okay. to send us off. So maybe you can send us off. And Here we go. <clears throat> You can find the Poundcast in the iTunes store. And don't forget to check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn for your regular digital marketing news. And find our weekly wrap-up of the best in digital marketing, the weekly wins at poundandgrade.com every Friday. So good, Nick. Thank you. Thank you, Jackson. Have a great week, everyone. <laughs>